Now study God's word. Um, Nancy, you ready with me? Ready to go? You ready to go? All right. <laughs> so we are talking about, we have been talking about the blood of Jesus. I hope you guys are enjoying uh, studying about the blood of Jesus because I am not planning to change that anytime soon. So I just hope you enjoy it throughout the process. Amen? Yes. Amen. Um, uh, we are talking about the blood of Jesus. Today is our sermon number nine and our eighth topic, eighth blessing that we have in the blood of Jesus. What was the first uh, blessing that we have in the blood? Forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Guys, I encourage you again to memorize the scriptures that talks about the blood of Jesus. It's just unreal. Forgiveness in the blood of Jesus, that reference is Hebrews chapter 9. The scripture is, without the bloodshed, the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. It's just an absolute statement. Amen? The second benefit, the second power we have in the blood of Jesus is... Come on, Barb. Enter in the, that's, that's like a standard answer. <laughs> I'm not sure what you were waiting for, but yes, entering the holy places, and that is enter into the presence of God. The scriptural reference is in Hebrews chapter 10, we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Number three, New covenant, amen. And the scripture for that is, we enter the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. Uh, one example is in Luke 22. Somebody help me. Yes, man, look at that. <laughs> I don't even, I don't care much to memorize the verse. If I know where it's at in the chapter, I'll just, uh, good enough for me. Um, but that's awesome. Yes, Luke 22, 20, what did Jesus say? This is my blood of the new covenant that is shed for many for the remission of sin. So we enter the new covenant with God by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Number four. What was it? We are purchased by the blood. You got it. Amen. And the scripture reference for that? 1 Corinthians 6.20, 1 Corinthians 7.23, 2 Peter 2.11, and Revelation 5.9. Man, somebody has the study guide. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, good, good, awesome. We are purchased by the blood. When the multitudes for all eternity stand before Jesus, they're going to say, Worthy are you, Lamb, to open the scroll because you have been slain and you purchased us to God, your Father, by your blood. Amen? That's number four, right? Right? Four? Five? What is number five now? We are acquired by the blood. God got hold of us, and He owns us, He possesses us, because of the blood of Jesus. The scripture reference to that is? Acts 20, 28. You got it. And that's when um, Paul told the elders in Ephesus, take care of the church of God. If you know the scripture, say it with me. Take care of the church of God, which He has acquired by His own blood, by the blood of His own. Amen? We've been purchased and acquired, and then number six now, right? What is number six? We have been redeemed by the blood. Scripture for that is? You got it. When Peter said, you have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from the aimless conduct that you have inherited from your forefathers, but what we have been redeemed with? The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, Christ who is known before the foundations of the world. Amen? 
We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And number seven, we have been freed. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus. This is the song in Revelation chapter 1. When the multitudes tell Jesus, to him, they sing this song, to him who loved us so much so that he set us free, that he has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us what? Kings and priests. Isn't that just good? I'm telling you, you just, this scripture, I mean, you just quote it and it's just, wow, it's so powerful. Today we're going to talk about another topic, which is we have been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. Next week, some heads up, uh, we're going to talk about being brought near by the blood of Jesus. Next week, we're going to share from Ephesians chapter 2. The reason why I'm telling you this is because this passage today and the passage of next week, been reconciled, been brought near, very similar to each other, and they're going to kind of overlap. So this week and next week kind of connected a little bit together. But today, we're just going to focus that we have been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. Amen? The reference to that is Colossians 1, 19 to 22. Here is what Paul said. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ Jesus. Amen? And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. How? Through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Good news. But now. Amen. But now. He has reconciled you. How? By Christ's physical body through death. When he died on the cross and shed his blood. To present you what? Holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Amen. I just can go home and sit down now and we're all done, right? This is just so good. Amen? We have been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. Amen? The, the concept of reconciliation to God is primarily Paul's teaching. I mean, we can see it different scripture in the Bible that sinners are enemies to God and all this stuff. But primarily, the one who really emphasized that theology is Paul. He talked about it four times in the New Testament. Romans 5.10, 2 Corinthians 15, um, 2 Corinthians 5.19-21, Ephesians chapter 2, that's what we're going to study next week, and Colossians chapter 1. Four times, Paul really dig into that concept of that we are enemies of God and that we have been reconciled to Him by the blood of Jesus. Amen? So today, we're going to try to focus on that text, and we're going to try to highlight three points. Number one is that sin is an enmity to God, right? Hatred toward God. Number two, that reconciliation to God happened only through the blood of Jesus. Amen? And number three, we want to look at the amazing transformation that the blood of Jesus has done to those who were once God's enemies. Amen? So three things. Number one is sin is hatred or enmity to God. Number two, reconciliation can happen only through the blood of Jesus. And number three, we're going to look at the amazing transformation, the power of the blood of Jesus, how it transformed those who were once enemies to God. Amen? Number one, sin is an enmity, hatred toward God. Now, the word reconciled 
even just by thinking about what the word means. Um, I'm gonna pick on you, Barb, okay? Let's say I, this is my first day to meet Barb. It is, will be impossible for Mike to go around and say, this is our first day meeting, me and Barb. Mike cannot go around and say, uh, Barb and Cami today has reconciled, right? Doesn't make any sense. Why? Because we just met, right? There's no need for us to be reconciled because we have never met before, right? But when can we say that Barb and Cami has been reconciled when we had some sort of friendship, right, or relationship, and then something happened that messed up this relationship. I'm offended or she's offended, right? Somebody's offended. Then we get together, try to clear up what was the problem, get away the cause of the conflict out of the way, and then we can say that we are reconciled, right? And that's what Paul was trying to tell us here. We are reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus because there was a relationship between God and man. Back then when God created Adam and Eve, everything was fine and dandy and nice. Um, Adam and Eve were just doing the garden, you know, just, just working there. And the Lord God would just come and hang out with them and they hang out with him and they, he, Adam and Eve were God's steward and they had a good relationship with God, right? But then something happened. Something happened ruined that relationship. Anybody can help me out. What happened? Sin has entered into the world. And because sin came into the world, enmity, hatred between God and man took place. And now God and man, who were once on good terms, having a relationship, now there is enmity between God and man. Amen? And God and man need to be reconciled again. And the Bible tells us that that mean of reconciliation was through the blood of Jesus. Amen? It's so interesting to me when I go out and try to witness to people. And the universal standard answer, if you ask anybody, are you going to go to heaven one day? Of course I'm going to go to heaven. Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? I'm a good person. That's like everybody's standard answer, right? I'm a good person. Well, have you lied before? Yes. Have you cheated before? Yes. Have you uh, committed adultery before? Yes. Have you took something that's not yours? Yes. But you're still a good person? Yes. This is what people think. Because people do not understand the, the, how the Bible describes sin and the gravity, the, the magnitude of committing one sin against a holy and righteous God. That concept is not in people's minds, right? But if we look at the scripture, it's pretty clear that God doesn't take sin lightly at all. And it's not just the attitude of sin, it's committing one sin that God does not take lightly. Amen? Let's look, look at this a little bit more, you know, intensively. The Bible tells us that even thinking about sin, this is bad news for you and me. Thinking about sin, meditating on sin, just by thinking about it, not actually doing it. You make yourself an enemy to God. An enemy. Not just, you know, two friends who happen not to be talking. You're an enemy to God if you just dwell, think, meditate about sin. Talking about bad news. Listen to that scripture. Romans 8, 6 to 7. Look at this. For the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind that meditate on the, the fleshly, the carnal, the sinful attitudes is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Look at this. Because the mind set on the flesh is what? Hostile to God. Hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, nor it can even be able to. 
Do you see this? If your mind is set on sin, if you think about sin and meditate on it, it doesn't, you don't even have to do it, right? You just think about it, meditate about it. If that's your mindset, you are hostile to God. That's crazy, huh? That's bad. You are an enemy to God. That's why the verse we were just reading in, in 1 Corinthians, what did Paul say? In verse 21, look at that. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies, how? In your minds. Because of your mindset. And that mindset expressed in your evil deeds made you enemies to God. You set yourself up to be an enemy to God. Just by thinking about evil things, you are an enemy to God. You guys see the gravity of sin? God is holy. And when he says he's holy, he doesn't mess with sin. Even if you do a good thing, but your intentions are bad, for him, you are his enemy. That's crazy and scary. But number two, to love sin. To not, We're not talking practicing sin here so far, right? We're just talking about thinking about it. And now if you have affections toward it, if you're okay with it, if you're okay with somebody else doing it, it doesn't even have to be you, then you make yourself an enemy to God. Look at this scripture, James 4.4. 4. You adulterous people, James say, don't you know that friendship with this world mean what? Enmity against God. Look at this. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes what? An enemy to God. It is not like you're a friend with God, you just become an acquaintance instead of a buddy, right? You become an enemy to God if you are a friend with this world. The, the word for friendship here is philia in Greek. Anybody knows Philia, Philadelphia, to, to the city of the brotherly love, to have affection to, to, to care for, to love somebody as your brother, you know? So that word, when you have affection toward the world, James said, well, you're okay. He's not telling you guys are sinning against God. You're the one who's doing what the world wants you to do. He say, if you accommodate, if you love, if you tolerate what the world is doing, what sin is doing, then you set yourself to be what? An enemy to God. You don't even have to practice sin to be an enemy to God. You just need to condone it. You just need to think about it. You just need to meditate on it to be an enemy to God Almighty. Sad news, huh? But not only that, but practicing sin as well makes you an enemy to God. Let's look at that scripture. In Ephesians 2, 14 and 16. We'll, we'll dig that verse. We'll look at it more intensively next week. But here is what Paul said. For he himself is our peace. This is just amazing. That's Jesus. He himself is our peace. Who made both groups, the Greeks and the Jews, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. And here is Paul's definition of what is it, enmity to God. What does it mean? Here it is. Which is, here is the enmity. What is it? The law of commandments contained in ordinance. What Paul was saying here is this. The law of God. When God gives us a commandment and says, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. And all these commandments of God. This is the law of God. And if you break one of these commandments, if you break one of the laws of God, then you set yourself to be an enemy of God. God does not take it well when you break his commandments. Amen? Amen. He doesn't like it and you become his enemy if you break one of his commandments. I don't know about you guys, this is just sad news so far, right? 
And yet in the midst of all of that, you go out and tell people, you think you're going to go to heaven? Oh, of course I'm going. Why? Because I'm a good person. Guess what, people? There is not a single good person in this world. Amen? There is everyone who is either a son of God, a child of God, and then everybody else is what? An enemy to God. God doesn't have middle ground. He doesn't have people that in his family, and then people who are okay with, and then people who are, you know, 50-50, and then you have the last group that he absolutely hates. Amen? God doesn't God doesn't consider Osama bin Laden more of an enemy to him than Mother Teresa if she doesn't know Jesus. Amen? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not watching the blood of Jesus, then you are an enemy of God. And I want you to notice this. This is amazing when I was studying this. The Bible always says that you are enemies to God, right? Now, the Bible never says that God and people are two enemies, right? And that's a big difference. What is the difference? When we say um, the U.S. and Russia, for example, are two enemies, right? They're supposedly not, but whatever. Let's say they are two enemies. So when we say the U.S. and Russia are two enemies, America and Russia are two enemies, what does that mean to you and me? That means America is trying to go out to get Russia, and Russia is trying to get out to go out to get the U.S., right? They're both trying to make plans to get the other person or the other country and get them in trouble, right? They're trying to succeed by putting the other person down, right? So if the Bible would have said that you and God are two enemies, that means we're just fighting against God and God is fighting against us, right? But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said that you are enemies of God. It's a one-sided hatred. Do you see that? It is not like we hate God, God hates us back. No, it's not that. It is God loves us. He has been loving us. He is loving us. He'll always love us. But we repay his love with hatred. We repay his love by breaking his law, by thinking about sin, by loving sin. Therefore, we set ourselves up to be his enemy in response to his grace and his love that he's always giving to us. Amen? We are not, God is not our enemy. We are enemies to God because we break his law and we break his heart every time we sin against him. Amen? Sin is hatred to God. The, the root of the word hostile or, or enemy in all these passages that we read, the very root of that word is hate, to hate God. That's why what the Bible is trying to tell us this. If you meditate on sin, if you accommodate sin, if you practice sin, you are a God hater. You hate God. You tell him in his face, I hate you and I have nothing to do with you. Sin is enmity to God. You know that, what that means? That means none of us is actually, if you're not saved, or if you are saved now, you were never at a point that you were right with God or made well with Him or He's okay with you. You are an enemy to God if you ever have thought, loved, accommodate, or practiced sin. That's sad news. Amen? But I have good news for you people. Amen? The Bible doesn't say that we are enemies to God, therefore we're just left to His wrath and His judgment. End of a story, even though we deserve that. Amen? That Paul said right here that when we were enemies with God, what did he do? He has reconciled us to himself. How? By the blood of his son Jesus shed on the cross. Amen? This is amazing about God. I mean, I, I, I don't understand how much he truly loves us. When, 
When you keep on being good to a person and he keep repaying your good to him by evil and hatred, at some point you and I will come to the point and say, well, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm an idiot for keep trying to love that person and be good to him, right? Not so with God. He loves us. And even though we pay him hatred for his love, he never gives up on us. He still keep on loving us. Look what Paul said here in verse, I think, 19. He said, it pleased God to reconcile us. It brought so much pleasure to his heart. He was so happy to send Jesus to die on that cross so you and I can be reconciled to him. Amen? He shouldn't even have done that, right? He's not the one who's hating us. He's not the one who's trying to get us. We're the one who's God haters. We're the one who refuse him every single step on the way. If God would have just, he doesn't have to reconcile us. If he would have reconciled us, that would have been like above and beyond, right? But doing it with pleasure, he doing it because he enjoys it. He doing it because he loves you and me so much so that he said, even though you are my enemies, even though you hate on me, even though you keep on sinning, I love you so much so that I would rather for my son to go to that cross, endure that shame, endure that pain, bear my own wrath on your behalf so you can be reconciled and you can be my child. Amen? Amen. I don't know for greater love than this. Amen? Jesus died on the cross and it pleased the heart of the Father to send him to die on the cross to reconcile a bunch of sinners, God-haters like you and me so we can be brought into his family. Amen? It pleased God. It pleased God to reconcile all things to heaven and him, whether on heaven or on earth. Amen? The things are on heaven and on earth, that verse 19. It's a difficult passage. I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, you can read the notes if you want to. The point I think that Paul Paul was trying to tell us here is this. One day, one day, when sin is done away with and Satan is bound and we are in the eternal status, everything on heaven and on earth would be reconciled to God. Amen? There would be peace between God and every creature that is in heaven and every creature that is on earth. Amen? That's what Paul was trying to tell us here. But let's just focus a little bit on this part. How did God reconcile all things? How that... Peace will ever be established on heaven and on earth one day. Here is what Paul said, the very end of that page. He said, he reconciled us by making peace through his blood, the blood of Jesus, shed on the cross. And that is pretty much a universal scripture, universal theology. That it is because of Jesus dying on the cross. It is because of Jesus shedding his blood and taking care of the offense that is sin. Because Jesus died and he has abolished sin through his own blood. Because of that, God who is holy and righteous is willing to be reconciled to you and me. Amen? Let's look at these other scriptures that pretty much teaches the same thing. Right after Colossians 1.19, look at what Paul said. For you once were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, right? But now he has reconciled. How? How did God reconcile you and me? By Christ's physical body through death. When he died on the cross, you and I have been reconciled to God. Romans 5.10, look at this. For if, this is what Paul said, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. How? Through the death of his son when Jesus died on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. Look at this. 
right before that, Paul said that if anyone in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. And then he starts verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. How? Through Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, God reconciled us to himself. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the whole world to himself. Where? In Christ, on the cross, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Verse 20, here is what Paul says. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. Why? Why is reconciliation with God is now available? Paul explains that in verse 21. Because God has made the one who knew no sin to become sin for us on that very cross. So we, you and I, can be God's righteousness in Him. Amen? Amen. Look at this. Ephesians 2, 14 and 16. Look what Paul said as well. He said, for He Himself is our peace. Amen? Yes, we are enemies to God, but Jesus is our peace. Amen? He is our peace. He made both group, Greek and, and, and Jews, into one. And he has broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. And look at this. By abolishing, where? In his flesh on the cross. The enmity. Now, the word flesh here, if you look at it in the Greek, it has all these meanings. Look at this. It means to render idle, to be unemployed, inactive, inoperative, to cause a person or a thing to have no further efficiency. This is what Jesus has done to the offense between God and man. Amen? He also did to deprive that offense from its force, influence, and power. He caused it to cease, put an end to it. He put away with it. He annulled, he abolished that enemy's enmity. Amen? He it is now to be seized, to be passed away, to be done away, done away with, to be severed from, separated from, discharged from, loosed from any ties with that enemy's entity. And he terminated all intercourse and relationship between us and that entity with God. Amen. He has abolished the enmity between God and man. Amen. How? When he died on the cross and he shed his blood on that cross. Amen. He has abolished the enmity in his flesh, which is the law of commandments. And then verse 16, that he might reconcile them, both Greek and Jews, into one body to God through what? The cross. It's by the cross that you and I can be reconciled to God. By it having put to death the enmity. The offense, the enmity, the hatred between God and man has been put to death on that cross. Amen? I have a question for you guys. How, what, what kind of a harm a dead person can do for you? No. Nothing. A dead person is good for nothing. And that's precisely what Paul was trying to tell us here. That now because of Jesus dying on the cross, because of the blood that he shed on the cross, that offense, that hatred, that enmity that was between God and man is now as good as dead because Jesus has done away with it on the cross of Calvary. Amen? I don't know about you people. It's time for you to put your hands together and give praise to God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah to the blood of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and he done away with the hatred, the enmity that is between you and me and a holy and righteous God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah to the blood of Jesus. Now let me close with this. Let's look at the amazing transformation that the blood has done for you and me. Remember, we are enemies of God, right? But now that we are reconciled with God, look what the blood has done for you and me. That's the very end of verse uh, 20, I guess. It says um, that he... Now we are presented before God as this. Holy in his sight. 
without blemish and free from accusation. Holy in His sight. It does not necessarily mean that we are holy in our behavior, right? <laughs> we are holy in His sight. We might be messed up. I'm not condoning sin. I'm not saying you can sin as much as you want. But what I'm saying is, look at the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? As long as you are a child of God, as long as you're washing that blood, as long as that reconciliation that the blood can bring is applied to you, you can be messed up still in your life. You might be still struggling with sin, but when God looks at you, He sees you what? Holy. He doesn't see any bad thing in you. Because the power of the blood of Jesus that can take away every sin and cover it before the eyes of a holy and righteous God. Amen. Not only holy, but we are without blemish. We talked about this when we talked about Jesus being a lamb without blemish and without spot. The word blemish here is ceremonially um, faultless. Like the lamb in the Old Testament, in, in Numbers and Exodus, when God says, bring a lamb and this lamb should be without blemish. And that's what Paul was saying here. You can be in your conduct with blemish, right? But in the eyes of God, you are ceremonially clean. Amen? Because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And not only that, it says that we are free from accusation. Other translations say we are above reproach. Amen? Now, the reason why it says that we are above reproach, it, the, the Greek for it is like this. It says, um, signifies that which cannot be called to account. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't say that we are above reproach because we're walking very holy and our conduct is very pure before God that nobody can point out anything wrong that we do, right? Paul is not saying that. He's saying that we cannot be called into account to give an account of our conduct. What Paul was trying to say here is this. Nobody has the authority to have an accusation against us in front of God. Amen? Nobody can come to God and say, hey, Esther has sinned. Why don't you judge her? Nobody can do that no more. You know why? Because of the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. Amen? Those who were once enemies to God, hatred to God, don't want Him and were separated from Him for all eternity. Now because of the blood of Jesus, God look at you at me and say, they are perfect, they are holy, they are complete. I see no sin in them because of the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? We are reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's all give thanks to Him. Let's all pray right now. Yes, Lord. Amen. You can't go wrong talking about the blood of Jesus, brother. That's for sure. Amen.